Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. And I actually have a real winery owner on the show today. Please join me in welcoming Margie Keller to the show. I think it was a great story that she had to, to, to tell. And I couldn't think of a better candidate to launch Women's History Month off with in interviewing Margie. I think when you hear her story about how she has recreated herself several times in her life, you will think of her as one of our strong women and somebody that you will want to go visit to learn more about her journey and taste her delicious wine. Sit on back, grab your favorite wine and enjoy the show. Well, Margie, thank you so much and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you, a real vineyard owner, present on the show, drinking wine with me. I am pumped up today, let me tell you. <laughs> so uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. Uh, thank you. I'm so excited to be part of this and thank you for inviting me. Well, we're thrilled to have you here. Uh, for those that uh, didn't catch it in the intro, Margie is the owner of Woody Lodge Winery. And she was so kind to send me a bottle, actually two, of Chardonnay for me to do a little tasting as we recorded. So I opened the bottle just before we started, took a little bit of a sip, couldn't wait, took another sip, and really got a a very um, pear, apricot scent in my nose when I tasted it. And I understand you're drinking the same thing. Yes, I am. I, I enjoy the crisp, Christmas, crisp, I can't say that right, crispness of the Chardonnay. One of the things that um, I talk to people about when they're asking me just randomly about Chardonnay, I'll ask them if they like like minerally um, crisp or if they like buttery, uh, what I would say soft. And they look at me like, huh? (laughs) And there is a difference between this, in my palate anyways, there's a difference between the steel barrel aged and the oak barrel aged Chardonnays. And you guys happen to be steel barrel, which I love in the summertime. It's that crisp, I say, you know, 
fresh flavor. Like that's, that's just when you're hot and you want a glass of wine and you drink a, a Chardonnay that's been steel barrel aged. I just think it has that refreshing sense to it. Tell us a little bit about your goal with this wine. Our goal was to make it a, a clean, crisp Chardonnay with a, a hint of pear. Oh, I did get it right. Pear. <laughs> All right. I actually, my palate's actually starting to pick those up. That's exciting. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I also like an oak Chardonnay mm-hmm. and the buttery flavor and feel, but uh, our local preference here is the still aged. I would say that for me personally, I like the oak barrel aged in the fall when it's cooler and I don't know, it just, it seems like fall to me where that crispness yeah. of the steel. And it does, like it does give you a fuller, fuller uh, filling in your mouth also and a warmer filling. So you, um, you have quite a story here and I'd love to have, I'd love to have, before we dig into it, I would love to hear a little bit about, you said the local feel is kind of that steel barrel age, but you have more than just Chardonnay as a wine selection at your winery. Do you have a, well, actually you have one that many people would probably like, unfortunately I can't have, but I don't know if that's your most popular one, the chocolate cherry is it, I think. We do have a wine called Chocoholic Cherry that a distributor in Florida just started carrying, Arco Globus, and they have distributed it in the Orlando and Daytona Beach area. They um, they had a calling for a chocolate wine, and we're hoping that our Chocoholic Cherry will fit that void. Well, that's a great area to be distributed in. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. And along with that, we also we have dry reds, we have Merlots, Pinot Noirs, we have Vintner Select Pinot Noirs, Private Reserve Merlots, Cabernet. Um, we, we have fruit wines, which are very popular here. We have blueberry and strawberry and cherry. And uh, they're all just 100% fruit. We don't add any artificial flavor or color to them. We're just releasing a blackberry wine and we received a special award for our Blackberry Port that we call the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, something that we went uh, to Washington, D.C. to receive the award for that in our semi-dry Riesling. Well, congratulations on that. That's big time. Thank you. I was so excited. <laughs> you should be. You should be. I, so, never knew there was, I didn't know there was an, a, a Congressional Wine Caucus. Mm-hmm. And the things you learn being a vineyard owner, right? Yes, yes. Um, the port sounds very interesting. I read the description on the website. Um, the wintertime is, a, for me personally, the wintertime is a great time to have just a little bit of port. I can honestly say I don't believe I've ever had one that's blackberry. So I'm going to have to give that a try. Yes, it, it, it is unusual. Most ports are not made with fruit. With raisins, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to, um, as Brett and I kind of travel back up north on our way home from Florida this winter, we're going to try to take some small side trips. And I have already mentioned to him that maybe we need to go by way of Woody Lodge Winery. 
So that would be wonderful. I would love to have you. Well, let's talk about your, uh, you know, when I do these podcasts, normally I uh, intertwining the the phrase vineyard on more of like a life's path and a development perspective. So it's really cool to be able to say to somebody, tell me how your vineyard was formed in a literal sense of conversation. (laughs) You have, you have, quite a formation. Um, your journey is pretty darn amazing, in my opinion, in the story that you have shared with me so far. Um, I can't wait to hear verbally how you have made the inroads that you've made into becoming a vineyard owner. Because it's, it's very, let me just step back and say, it's pretty rare that there's not a lot of women vineyard owners. Right, it's a pretty small. There are not. Sure. Yeah. So, um, from the studies I've uh, read, it's a pretty small percentage. So, to um, to to be a woman in this particular profession that you've chosen uh, is is rare in and of itself. And let's talk about the challenges of running a vineyard uh, and all of the the different aspects of that. So. Um, let's let's kind of start back. Um, how how is it that I guess what is your career path to actually becoming a vineyard owner? Well, my 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 career path I would say started in the 1990s. Uh, I, my first professional job was as a real estate agent. And that was my full-time job. And um, in the 90s, I became a single mom of three children, my two daughters and my son. And the four of us formed this really special bond because it was, we were like the four musketeers. Aww. We were going to survive anything together. And we still feel that way, which has gotten us through a lot in life. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did get remarried in 2007. And... Um, we decided that we would make wine because I love wine. It was the, uh, upon the suggestion and insistence of the American Wine Society judges in our local area that, that we decided to open up a winery. <laughs> and it was a pretty exciting uh, adventure. And I happened to have 11 acres of commercial land that I inherited from my mother and father. And um, it was perfect, perfect venue for it. So we took what we had and we, we built this winery and, and the winery was doing, it was, it was better received than I thought because we're such a rural area. Um, the village of Asheville has less than 300 people. And, and uh, we have a lot of people in the area. They were praying for me. Let's back up for a second. The village has 300 people. Less than 300 people. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but... <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So they, they really thought I'd gone off my rocker, and they, they were praying for me in the area here. And, <laughs> and it, you know, it, it was amazing that people came. They liked it. It was something different. There was nothing like it in this area. And they were, the, the area is so supportive of us. And the business continued to grow, and we continued to add more and more wines and and um 
you know, we, we got busier and it's, it's all along. I was still doing a full-time job as a credit manager, part-time job as a real estate agent and helping run this winery. And uh, the, the, the winery was, became very successful, but unfortunately it took a toll on the marriage. Mm. And in 2016, we decided to part ways and I became the sole owner. Wow. And it was like starting all over again. And because you, you know, you have the loans, you have the, oh my God, it's just me. And I was fortunate enough to have my children pitch in and my son, John Gailey Jr. And my, my son-in-law, Matt Angel came and helped make wine with me. And I had dear friends in the area that would stay and work late into the night with me to help bottle or, or filter something. And we figured it out. And my daughters, Ashley and, and Trisha and my daughter-in-law Vivian and my son-in-law Brad, it was just, it was just everyone came together and did whatever they could to help this winery survive and to give me the, the push I needed. So and um, that was about four ahead. years ago at this point in time um, that you, I mean, you yeah. said 2016, right? So about four years ago, yeah. all hands on deck, family all came together, friends all came together and got the production done for that year and then started to integrate more and more into the business? Yes, they did. And we, we started introducing more wines and being more creative. And um, in 2018, my son Johnny was medically discharged from the Army. He had done two tours in Afghanistan, and some of those injuries came back to, to haunt him, and um, he could no longer be an Army, Army officer. So he, he was feeling a little lost and not sure what to do next with his life. And he did, decided to buy into the winery with me hmm. and has been working side by side with me ever since. And it's, it's his youth, his, um, I believe his, his military background, his, his youth, his energy has pushed us to the next level. Mm -hmm. Well, thank him on behalf of us for his service um, during a period of time that I'm sure was very stressful. Um, And, uh, you know, that, that regimented background of being in the military certainly leads to some business translation in business, right? That consistency. Yes, it does. Yeah. So he joined you, you said 2018, correct? So that was about two years ago. Correct. He invested some money in it. And then you guys now have, um, I think, is it 50 different grocery stores and convenience locations that your wine is carried in? Yes. Yes. And and that, that was him. That was him out there you know, beating the streets and making the phone calls that, that, that made that happen. So he started making phone calls, asking people to carry your wine, distribute your wine. Now you're, now you're in Florida as well as Pennsylvania and probably some places in between. You started to get awards, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you have more involvement from that perspective. You are what I would call, I mean, 
when you, when you said the word single mom, you could have just stopped right there as like, you know, okay. <laughs> that any, any time I was raised by a single mom myself, I know what that's like being raised by a single mom and, um, you know, the, the strength as a woman that it takes to do that. So you had four children that you raised, a vineyard that you were, three, three I'm sorry, three children that you raised, um, a vineyard that you were working on after the second marriage. And you have just taken it with stride and pulled up your boots every single time and just kept going. It's, it's pretty amazing some of the the challenges that you've experienced. And when I talk to other people about challenges like this, I always say it's the rot, right? So with vineyards, my understanding of it is rot is, you need a little bit of rot, but not too much rot, right? <laughs> for, for wineries. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you've taken the rot and made sure it's just never gotten too much, right? <laughs> That's that's a very good way of putting it. Thank you. (laughs) When you decided to continue the winery, because, you know, when you got divorced, I mean, so you started with, you know, strawberries (laughs) and now you are an award-winning vineyard. Um, When you decided in 2016 that you were going to continue to operate the vineyard, what were some of the things that went through your mind at that period of time, I mean, that, that was very emotional. I mean, you were going through a divorce, you're trying to figure out how to keep this business up and running. What were some of the things that were, you were feeling challenged by what I, I call it, what were the, you know, what were the challenges to the vineyard? Um, and, and the greatest impact at that point in time to your vineyard and life to keep you going. It, it was very stressful. And of course the main issue at that point in time would be finances. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to find the money to buy out the partner and you have to find the money to re to, to buy the juices, to restock what got deplen- depleted during the, the divorce process. So I, I really started with bare bones all over again. Mm. And I was very fortunate to have the, the, the local bank that started it stand by me. Mm-hmm. and, you know, help me and give me the loans. And uh, the the goal organization that I work full-time for stood behind me and helped me and guided me. I, I, I was just really fortunate that all these people just all of a sudden just came. And, and um, it, it's still a financial struggle. It was like starting all over again. And um, I... And they say you need to be in business for seven years. And I'm, I've, you know, I, I don't take that from the 2013 when I opened. I, I'm now on since the 2016 that I took it over myself. So 16, um, 17, 18, 19, 20. So you're, in your, you're into your fifth year at this point in time, right? You're, um, you're, you're only two ways, years away then, right? You've made it halfway. Most businesses actually fail within the first three years. So the fact that you've done it, you know, that long increases your, your chances. And then they say the net, you know, there's a next wave that sort of is in the the fourth and fifth year. So you're actually getting beyond that period of time of um, development. 
and, and probably have recreated yourself a couple of times within those four years. It sounds like with your son coming yeah. on board, you guys keep, I think that's probably one of the key aspects of the business, right? You keep redeveloping. You mentioned all of the wines that you have um, because everybody has different palettes, right? So they do. Um, yeah. So that redevelopment, what are some of the things that you would say um, have been exciting and being able to start over? Cause it's stressful. Yes. But there's also some level of excitement when it's yours. There is, there, there was a, there was a different feel, you know, putting those hours. Sometimes I was there till two in the morning all by myself and got up at five thirty in the morning and went and did my day job to go home at six o'clock in the evening and do it all over again. <laughs> and it, but there was a good feeling because I knew I was doing it for me and I felt like I was going in, in the right path and I truly wanted to build a family business for myself and my children. What's it like to work with your children? You know, it, it, it's wonderful. It does have its moments. You know, we, we, all, we all have our, our times with our moms and our kids, and, and, uh, but, but we're very fortunate that the four of us had that extra special bond because we had to figure out a way to survive together earlier on, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it's wonderful. Well, you know, I believe that when you have a strong mother, you're going to be a strong woman. So when you look at your kids, your daughters, um, do you see that? Do you see that in them? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And the more that, I mean, the more that you're including them within the business, um, are they becoming more of a guide to you? And and so it's, it's this weird, you know, transition where it's like, are you my kid or are you my partner or... <laughs> It is very strange. They come up with these ideas and it's like, okay, they, they actually know something I don't. I, I need to listen to them. I think I, the reason that I ask that question is because um, I find uh, being in my late 40s at this point in time, I find that more and more of the people that I, I work with um, who are also around my age, they're, they're saying that they're becoming m- more involved in their parents' lives. Like, you know, not, not finances so much, but when it comes to things like, you know, you actually work with your children and it, it's strange to them. Like, when did my kids become so smart? Like, when did they... <laughs> Exactly. I agree. <laughs> when did they become um, more knowledgeable on a topic than I am? And even myself, it, I want to share with my parents and my in-laws that I can, I can help them, that I have 20 plus years of experience in my profession and I actually can help them. And yet it's very awkward sometimes for me to be like pushing my knowledge on my parents. It's a strange dynamic that it I, <laughs> that I like to explore just a little bit. So it's interesting to hear your <laughs> side of it, since I'm on your kid's side, right? I'm on your kid's side, wondering. Yeah, you're. On, yeah, you are. I'm. I just turned sixty, and and my old my oldest daughter Trisha turned forty. So we're we're kind of 
in the you know the opposite ends of the spectrum here and uh they they are they're wonderful though they they um we've learned to stop and and listen to what each other has to say mm-hmm. and we're both both learning from each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you think that um when you say you're both learning from each other because you said one of the challenges earlier of the vineyard was the financial side do you see a lot of creativity coming from, you know, different points of views and creativity coming from your three children? Are there, you know, do, do each of them add a particular aspect differently than another? They do. Yes. Yes. Some, some uh, my oldest daughter keeps me grounded. Uh, my, my youngest daughter is there in the trenches you know, work in the, the festivals with me. Mm-hmm. And, and my son has the financial experience from being an army officer. Mm-hmm. So I draw from all three of them. So when you, if, you know, if you, if you were to think of a book that you've read or has had a great impact on your life um, or, or your literal vineyard, <laughs> would yeah. you, would you, Name that book, or could you come up with a book that has has guided you and helped you through this process at all? Yeah, unfortunately, I I'm not a book reader. Mm-hmm. I I have learned everything through life experiences, and and um, I, I used to read books when I was really young, and um, you know those romance novels, <laughs> and found out that I was a um, I was a compulsive reader. I was obsessive compulsive and I would start a book and I'd stay up all night long. <laughs> and, and, and so I had to give them up. <laughs> and you traded them in for winemaking. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, how, how did you learn to make wine? How does that happen? It was, well, it was trial and error. Um, my my ex-husband had a, a vague remembrance of his father and grandfather's and uncle's recipe from West Virginia. And we just kind of guessed from there. And, and then the local, whenever we decided to go professional, the local winery, it's like a brotherhood. We, we all do our best to help each other out because the better the, the business is, the better it is for all of us for our economy it draws more people to our area because there's more wineries and i have to say they were wonderful Hmm. you know that's interesting that you say that because i did an interview with berkeley vineyards um they're out of uh lubbock texas and she said the same thing she said it's about community over competition that that everybody kind of comes together um to really form this community. Everybody has, you know, different techniques in their winemaking. And the more that you come together and support each other and lift each other up, the more it does for the area in that particular um, region of winemaking. And, and that's another piece of it that's always so interesting to me because when I think about life and, and people joke, I, people laugh at me all the time because I can, I can bring any analogy back to a vineyard, like anything to do with finance, anything to do with life, I can bring it back to a vineyard, right? So, so when you think about um, a, a literal vineyard, right? And you think about what it takes to 
uh, grow a good vineyard, it's about the community that's there, right? It's about the soil. It's about the pollination. It's about, um, you know, what, what is in the air, what is in the soil. And then it's about the care of the vines themselves, the the, you know, how they're nurtured and developed. And I, and when I reference back to like finances, I'm like, well, how do you nurture your finances? How do you know, what do you put in the soil? What do you put, you know, how do you water it? You know, all of those kinds of things. So people laugh at me when I, when I make the comparison between the two, but there's also challenges and obstacles that get in the way of both a vineyard and people's finances as well. And I'd love to, I mean, gosh, you've kind of explained a little bit of some of your obstacles, but weather is a huge obstacle for you guys. Um, You know, whether it's a dry year or wet year or, you know, what are some of the obstacles that get in your way? What are some of life's challenges? And and that is very true. Uh, Up until this year, we did not, I did not have the time to actually physically plant the grapevines and, mm-hmm. and take care of the grapes. So I have been buying juice from local vineyards, local farmers, Pennsylvania, New York, Washington State, California, and, and using that to make my wine. Mm. And this year we're our own, uh, we will be the first commercial vineyard in Cambria County in Pennsylvania. And it, we, we, we don't have the best growing season. We, we have, um, you know, it can be really wet. It can be, right now it's snowing. It can be really cold. <laughs> uh, so we, do, we know we have some challenges ahead of us for that. But um, we, 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 you know, we're hoping the, the um, local colleges, uh, colleges and the enologists are going to help us mm-hmm. work our way through that. Uh, and, and then even, if, even with just buying the juice, it, there's been years that it rained mm-hmm. so much that the Riesling grapes ripened too fast on mm-hmm. the vine. And so the juice that I received had a very strong apricot taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it wasn't what people were looking for, but we have, we always have to educate them and say, we, we can't always control every year what mother nature gives us. And we have to deal with the grapes and the juice, that we get each year. Like you said, just like life, you you have to deal with it and move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of your juice now comes from your vineyards or do you still get some from um, other? Still get some. Yes. From other places. Yeah. It's like, wow. We we couldn't, we we couldn't possibly grow all those grapes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's to me, that was the moment that you said Washington and I'm like, Oh, that's probably where you get your Pinot Noir. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the Pinot Noir I have right now, I got from um, Erie. And it's amazing. And it, it, it really surprised me. I'm very, very happy to have a great selling Pennsylvania Pinot Noir. So the grapes are actually, the juice is actually coming from Erie, Pennsylvania that for the, for the Pinot yeah. Noir. What was yeah. the... Yes, I have gotten Pinot Noir from Washington State in California, but the one I have right now on the shelf is from Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, that, cause that's not a place that I would think of. 
And that's one of the reasons why, um, actually, I didn't mention uh, when I introduced you, but I didn't mention that um, your sister, Nancy, actually introduced the two of us. Um, Nancy knows how much I love wine. She knows that I, um, at some point in time, I, I just, I don't know, there's something about discovering wine. It's, it's such a journey, right? You can walk into any, any place, any, like down here we have Total Wines or in New York we have like GCP yeah. and Frisari's or you can stop at a vineyard and it's such a journey to figure out what you like. And I know for me, when I very, very, very first started drinking wine, it was like, you know, the sweet end of things. And now I'm all the way up to the, to the dry side of things like dry, dry. Right. So yeah. The, and, and, but some people don't change like they, their palate's always going to like a certain, and it, and it doesn't like, so what, right. There's no, it's what, whatever you like. Um, and that's what always interests me about the journey of wine. So when you mentioned that you get juice from all over, like it's not just from Pennsylvania, that's very interesting to me because you still put your own spin on it though. Yeah. Every, everyone has their own way of fermenting, their, their own way of blending, their own way of aging. And you, you could actually get juice from the same row of grapes and, 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 and give it to two different wineries and it will take t- taste totally different because of their process. And that's the part that intrigues me, right? So when I go to wineries, I usually, if I can get a chance, if I can get, talk to the winemaker, I'm always so excited because I'm always interested in, or the vineyard owner, I'm even more excited because I'm always so interested about what their challenges are. Like, what do you think about this year's crop? And I think they look at me like I'm, I just, she but I'm always so interested in it because my mind works in numbers. And one of the things that I love about vineyards is when you look at a vineyard, there, there are numbers. I mean, there are numbers in the row. There are numbers in the columns. There are numbers. There's, what's hanging on the vine. It's the aging, all of that. It's all about numbers. So I'm always interested in the obstacles and what people really are, you know, the the things that they're afraid of, because a lot of times it does come down to, well, is this year going to be a good year or, you know, are we going to have some, cause it's not this year, right? Like if the, if the vineyard isn't doing well this year, it's actually next year or the following year that you're going to suffer the consequences. Correct. Correct. And for that. And, and it's the same in life. Like if somebody knows, Oh my gosh, you know, there's a chance I could get laid off. How do you plan for that? I haven't really figured that out yet, Amy. Oh. <laughs> I just keep going. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think what we do is if we if we know that it's going to be a a bad year for Riesling, then uh, then I know that I I've got to pump up my Chardonnay and my Traminette. My Traminette mm-hmm. usually will will take off if I have a bad year in Riesling. The Traminette will handle mm-hmm. it. People don't know about Traminette. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, I love Traminette. Traminette is the American hybrid of the German Gewurztraminer. And it's, it's not sweet. It's not dry. It's, it's 
right on the edge. It can be crisp and refreshing. It, it's wonderful with chicken, seafood, turkey. I sell a lot at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I can see why it would go very well with Thanksgiving dinner because it's not gonna it's not gonna overpower the other flavors. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's not something that um, a lot of people are familiar with. When I've mentioned it a few times and said, "Well, if you're looking for middle of the road, try Tremonette." what? What is that? <laughs> so now they know a winery that they can call and get some shit to them. <laughs> yes. There aren't many wineries that make Tramonette, but it's one of my personal favorites because I, I, it is so unique is why I fell in love with it. I think a lot of people use it for blending, right? They do. Yeah. They do yeah. use it for blending. Yeah. And so that's interesting. And you, the, the key word I think I heard in there is that you pivot. You look ahead and you say, you know what, this isn't going to be a good year for Chardonnay. I better bump it up in other areas. So when you said, I don't think I have it quite figured out, you immediately turned around and corrected yourself. And and actually, I think you have figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. A couple more questions that I just want to run by you real quickly. I know time is getting away from us and I apologize, but this has just been such a fun conversation for me. Um, if you were to replant your vineyard, either your literal literal vineyard or your um, your life, you know something in your life, what would you do differently? At this point in time, I think the only regret I have is that I started this process before I was ready to retire. The, the vineyard, mm. is, the winery, is my retirement job. It's very difficult. To be doing it and working full time at my my other career, and still finding time for my children and my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I. But then, if I would have waited, it may not have ever happened. I, you know, my grandmother, um, my mom's mom, she was not well when she told me this, but I asked her. Oh, maybe she passed away about, this was maybe about two months before she passed away. I asked her the question. I said, um, do you have any regrets? And she kind of stuck out her lip the way that she would and said, nah. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? There's nothing you would change? And she looked at me and she said, that's not what you asked me. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> she that's said um, you know, Amy, if if I had made any changes, then something else wouldn't would be different. She said, you know, if I um, if I hadn't had your mother as an example, then I wouldn't have you. Or if I hadn't had um, if I hadn't done X, then I wouldn't have had Y. That's you know, I'm just using an example. And it, it um, is very true. So she said, if if you change one thing that happened then you change everything that follows. And I thought, gosh, you know, we, we talk sometimes about we wish we could have or we wish we should have. And her comment to me is, was it still resonates. I mean, it's been years since she said that. It still resonates with me that we can't have regrets. We just have to look at them as learning opportunities. And I think your comment about waiting until retirement 
that that would have given you the time, but yes. then waiting till retirement, you may have said, eh, I don't know if I really want to do that. <laughs> and, so, and that's very much the case. Yes. So sometimes when we think about that sort of thing, it's like, well, maybe it was the right time. It was just that it wasn't, it, it might, the, maybe the lesson out of that is, okay, well, if you decide you want to start a winery, make sure that you have people that can do some of the work while you're still working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and I, I know I could retire and do this full time, but r- right now the winery supporting my son mm-hmm. and, and my daughter's family. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's important. And then, then, I, you know, it'll, my time will come. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the most amazing things um, that you've done is to have a second career that has brought your family together and allowed you to to meet one of the goals that you said early on that you wanted, which was spend more time with your family and your grandchildren. And it sounds like you've been able to find that mix with this adventure that you're on at this point in time. Yes. Yes. It is getting better. So uh, the final question that I like to ask people and you know, it's because there's so, everybody has their own definition, but what is your definition of success? Are you asking personally, financially, or? Whatever your definition is. Yeah. I mean, it could be financially, it could be personally, it could be both. Um, I, I feel that I will consider myself a success when I have reached the point where I've, I've found that perfect um, mix between the business and the personal time. That's always been my biggest challenge. And uh, of course, the finances to all just be where they need to be to enjoy mm-hmm. that business and that personal time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where I, uh, that's where and I will feel that I'm a, I'm a success. So you're, let me guess, a type A personality? <laughs> I never thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> the reason that I say that is because the moment that I have success in any given particular situation, I'm like, well, that was cool. That was fun. What's next? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, congratulations on the success and the award for your port and congratulations on the, the fifth year of your business heading into the fifth year of your business and figuring out how to blend some family and grandchildren and the business and in a very rural area of less than 300 I think in our series this month of strong women, you definitely represent that with all of the challenges that you've had. And I want to say thank you for being on the show. If people are interested in learning more or visiting your winery, can you share with us your website and contact information? Sure. The website is Woody Lodge Winery. Dot, well, www.woodylodgewinery.com. Uh-huh. Um, you can email us at woodylodgewinery at AOL. 
And the winery phone number is 814-660-0027. And your address, if people want to go and explore themselves? It is 1301 Colonel Drake Highway, Asheville, PA, 16613. And I believe you have some social media that you, people can find you on as well. Yes, they, yes, we, we do have, you can find us on Facebook. Um, we, we post our weekly entertainment there, our new wine releases, our specials. We have a lot going on at the winery. And that's the exciting part. I think your journey is just getting started. I think your path is is uh, just being informed. And I want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the show today, for sharing all of your journey, for um, sharing a bottle of, or a glass of, I shouldn't say a bottle, a glass of wine with yeah. me. <laughs> Although you did give me the bottle. I only had one glass <laughs> so far. <laughs> it is Friday that we were recording. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> I really appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for being one of our strong women um, on, the, on the podcast this month. And we wish you great success. And I hope to actually see you on our way home. I would love that. Thank you, Amy. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.